Welcome to the Creative Sobriety Podcast. I'm Jacob, and this is episode 42, and I'm here with Decima. How are you doing this evening, Decima? Hey, you guys, swooping in with the obligatory, we made it! (laughs) (laughs) We did, we did make it. We made it. This week we have uh, an interview with Nick, he is an entrepreneur, um, has a lot of experience with Kratom addiction and other addiction and, and relapse is a part of his story too. For our first episode of the new year, we wanted to talk a little bit about relapse prevention. Things that, that we do or strategies that we may have to help prevent with a relapse I don't know if I have too many things that are going to be earth-shattering for the listeners. I have a lot of experience with relapse, unfortunately, several times, several different substances. Uh, the biggest difference has been working some sort of program and sticking to it. So going to smart recovery meetings every week, going, sometimes I go to, well, I've gone to the one of the quitting Kratom meetings, I think, specifically. Um, I, I do Medicaid-assisted treatment sometimes. Um, so I think that's the big thing. Um, that's where I've gone wrong every other time, to be honest. It's been stopping going to meetings or stopping doing working any sort of program and just doing it on my own without any support. And that's always led me to um, backslide into substance use, essentially, and and ultimately addiction. So I think that's been the biggest kind of thing I've learned. Service work has been helpful, too. So doing things like this podcast here and um, some other other stuff I'm doing. But I think those are the two biggest things for me, at least. I can definitely relate to that. Basically, uh, doing things different in a way that we haven't before, like you said, addressing things, really digging in there. Um, I just want to say, first of all, I am definitely not an expert in this. I'm only sharing what has worked for me and what has not worked for me because like you, Jacob, I also have uh, relapsed many times. And this is, um, I feel like this is, uh, this has been a longer run for me than I've had in a very long time. And I feel very, very different. Like I have done some actual true healing this time. So I'm with you. That definitely makes a big difference. Um, I also wanted to say that when it comes to preventing relapse for me, there's things to do in the short term and then there's things that I do like more long term. I feel like we do, most of us have a little bit of a deficit to certain things like dopamine production in our brains, um, releasing those happy chemicals. We've been dependent on Kratom for so long that now um, we need to release that again. So for me, I feel like that helps me a lot. In the short term, you can do quick things like jumping jacks, even as silly as that sounds, sex, eat some chocolate, anything to release those happy feelings in the short term can sometimes help you. And also uh, early on when you're detoxing and quitting and trying to fight those cravings, biggest thing for me is distraction. If you can find something, even if it's a Netflix series to binge, a book, an activity, a work, anything you can throw your mind into and it's just going to make you not think about it so much before you know it, you're going to be like, oh, wow, the whole day has gone and I didn't use. So I'm all about um, doing all that stuff that gets those 
those happy feelings going again, natural, like the exercise, it works short term, but it also works long term. If you want to take supplements, you know, you do got to stick with those. They don't work overnight. Uh, But I think the biggest thing is I'm with you on support, getting, um, working a program of some kind, whatever that happens to be for you and just really doing things differently other things too to add on to what you said i think exercise is is really good for both short term and long term i I think a lot of people set unrealistic expect goals with exercise and like i'm gonna be i'm gonna go from zero to 60 go go incremental don't don't take giant steps you don't have to you know run a run a marathon if you don't want to you can just do little things um and i forgot to mention therapy i would highly suggest there's probably some sort of reason that you used. I know some people do use because they're bored. I don't think that's a common reason. Um, it does happen. So I know someone's going to probably comment that it is pretty common and maybe it is. But in, in my experience, a lot of people have something below the surface that they're using for. So get some therapy and try to figure that out. Definitely for sure. That falls under, uh, not everybody has trauma. I do get that, uh, but a lot of us do. So yeah, definitely want to seek out some therapy, which has been helpful for me. Another big thing for me um, has been just changing the way that I look at Kratom. And I mean that in a couple of ways. It's no longer just a natural supplement that I can get off of the gas station shelves in my mind. In my mind, it's just like crystal meth, crack cocaine, any other drug. Like I can't, I would just dabble and do those, you know. So I know that I could be potentially throwing my whole life away if I take Kratom. Um, And another thing, whenever I get those feelings about, oh, I can use just one time, like I don't ever think anymore about how good it might feel because I don't remember that anymore. I think I've really given my mind time and I've focused so much on the negativity, the um, play the real through. Like, don't just think about that feeling and how good it might feel because nine times out of 10, it's not even going to feel good anyway. You're just going to be like, oh, why did I do that? Um, but play the reel all the way through, play the tape through what happens after that. And then after that, and look at your sobriety as this precious, fragile thing. It is so valuable and it is worth so much. And like, it's just, it's so fragile, you know, and the more precious it becomes, the more you want to protect it. And if you do relapse, you don't have to go weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years. So like, I, I know a lot of times it's easy to just say, screw it once you, you know, fall off the wagon for a day, but you can, you can certainly, you know, use that as a research, research experience. And I know some people that, that even do day counting that, you know, if they have a one day relapse, they might not even reset their days. That's something, you know, you do it. What works best for you? I think there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff you can think about there before, um, you know, if you're, if you're in, you're at risk for relapse or, or whatever might be going through your head. Oh, I was just going to say, I think most importantly is if you're looking ahead and planning ahead and have a plan, like you're already ready ahead of the game. So whatever that plan is, have a plan. That way, when you encounter that inevitable, we're all going to, you know, become complacent and it's going to sneak up on us. So just have that plan and be ready. Have somebody call whatever that plan is. Yeah, exactly. Accountability. Tell if you haven't told anybody, and this is your secret addiction. I would, I would probably tell somebody because eventually yeah. you'll, you'll need some help. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Onto the interview with Nick. 
today I'm here with Nick. Nick, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. And yourself? I'm doing great too. Thank you for asking. Um, so Nick, how would you introduce yourself to a stranger you met on the street? Things like, you know, how old you are, do you have a family, where do you live, what do you do for fun, whatever you want to tell the audience sure, about yourself. Sure. I am a 36-year-old San Diego native who's been in Utah for about a decade. I am a uh, entrepreneur. I'm a restaurateur. I'm uh, a I define myself actively as a kratom addict in active recovery. I'm pretty health focused. I, I love uh, nutrition and wellness and uh, I like to write. I'm super passionate about food and I'm, I'm pretty overall pretty mellow individual who suffers from a severe case of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. The entrepreneurship is really cool. So I think about doing that. Then I know how many hours you guys work, and then I yeah. think about just keeping and staying with working for a company. But um, that's cool. Uh, Utah's fun too. I'm a big snowboarder, so been out there a couple times. Uh, always enjoy it. So when is your um, when was your kratom abstinence date? So I've been kratom free for uh, I would say a twenty of the last twenty four months. But my kratom abstinence date right now is October twelfth because I had a relapse and. 65 days clean today, but um, after over a year of sobriety, dropped the ball on my recovery and uh, Kratom's slippery little hands got a hold of me again. The relapse is, is quite common. Uh, I relapsed a ton of times myself, um, so to totally get that. Um, how did you find out about Kratom and, and when did you first use it? Sure, so I'll give you a little backstory on me. Um, I was a college athlete and... Um, about three months into my freshman year of college, I went home for Thanksgiving break. And for the first time ever, I started suffering some debilitating, debilitating back pain. Um, in our, our, we had a pretty intensive D1 program at our school where we had all the resources at our disposal and our team doctor, this is pre uh, opioid epidemic kind of that spotlight being shown on everything that we know now, he was handing out prescription painkillers like it was candy. Um, I would graduate with three herniated discs in my back and at a level of pain that was substantial. But when I was 18 years old, this doctor prescribed me 180, 10 milligram Percocet a month. So I was, I didn't think I was a child when I was 18, but I look back now and your, your brain is still forming at a massive level. So yeah. You know, it's only an active recovery that I've been able to reflect about how significant of an impact. I spent my entire collegiate career consuming copious amounts of um, narcotics. So I had to deal with that when I graduated um, and then spent most of my 20s kind of waffling in and out after some, you know, things got pretty bad in my early 20s with Oxycontin and God, I've, I've been reflecting on some doctor shopping and a bunch of stuff. And we can certainly get into that later. But um, I've been off, I've been off prescription painkillers for about uh, 10 years. And this back stuff never really, certainly never healed. And a couple years into starting my first restaurant, my back exploded. Um, and I had to go get a procedure done. And the doctor told me at the time that he would not operate typically on someone as, as inflamed as I was. But because, he, because I was a friend, 
he decided to do the procedure and I was down, could not move for about 10 weeks. And a friend of oh, mine wow. suggested that I try something called Kratom. I had never heard of it. And I was off to the races. Unfortunately, I think that's a common story. Um, a lot of people go in, go in search of pain, hear Kratom, and then, uh, like you said, off to the races. And like you, I found Kratom in, in my mid to late 30s. I, um, not for pain. I was really doing it for something different. But um, it sounds like you, know, you have a history of struggling with other substances um, besides opiates. Any, any other history of drug and alcohol use or anything you want to highlight for the listeners? Nothing that's of note. I mean, you know, I, I grew up in San Diego at a high school that was about 4,000 kids. So we got pretty, uh, we got pretty lit as the kids say, did every drug under the sun. I, drew up, yep. I developed an early passion for hallucinogenics. Um, but I was never a big drinker. Um, I, I certainly drank and, and partied and was social, but never had anything remotely that I gravitated to or was introduced to at the level that I was with opiates. Anything memorable or insightful, like the first time you tried it? You know, it's funny. I hear people all the time, I think both with harder, well, I'm going to be careful using that word harder, with traditional prescription opiates and mm -hmm. Kratom, um, that they remember that first magical time. I don't, I don't have that. I remember that I was in, what I distinctly remember was going to the head shop for the first time, getting some powder, and I immediately, after having about a, a reprieve from addictive type behavior with opiates for at least five years, Mm -hmm. of doing anything of that sort, I immediately quadrupled the dose. Immediately. Um, yep. And I don't remember too much of the first week, but I know that immediately, um, about a week in, we went on a trip. And it was the first, it was the only t period for about only a handful of days that I can identify with people when they say Tosh and Wash. Um, okay. Grapefruit juice, orange juice, doing it in front of everybody, Nobody had any idea what it was. I wasn't ashamed to be doing it at the time, frankly. Um, and uh, that was my first foray into Kratom. I don't, I still don't remember when that accelerated. I think I was, I was certainly immediately thrown into this environment where I was going to the head shop consistently. And all of a sudden they know my name. And I think, uh, the first head shop of 10 that I would become a uh, regular in uh, girl tells me, why don't you try one of these extract shots? And from there, as so many stories go in the creative arena, I was taking things up to a level that I could not have imagined. So uh, how long did you, you know, use Kratom for and when did it start to become and how did it start to become a problem for you? I mean, there's so many phases of this thing. It's well, let's get into it. You know, let's, let's talk yeah. about them. So at the time I'm married, the brain's ability to compartmentalize an addiction is one of the most fascinating things that I've encountered since understanding more and more about my disease. Um, there are, there are segments of this time that I have unequivocally blacked out. I cannot recall the evolution of certain things, but what I can tell you is that you wake up and there's extract shots hidden in little weird compartments in my car. The, you know, early on I was getting high, uh, mm -hmm. For some men out there, it helped with sexual performance, like a lot of opioids do. That was there was this fallacy of pain relief uh, early on in my opioid addiction. I spent all of college associating cognitively working with being high. So at that point, there was so much kind of cognitive and muscle memory that I associated that I was a higher performer with working. 
and I could perform at a better level when I was under an opiate high. So that exacerbated things because I was started, I immediately threw myself back in an environment where I convinced that I could produce. And at that time, our company was growing and I needed to perform. It took away my anxiety. I, I It was my warm little security blanket. I, I immediately got thrust into this world again where these little creepy goblin rituals of like sitting on my couch and eating and doing all these things. Like a lot of people say they lose weight on Kratom. I'm uh, an eater. Like with opiates, I eat. So I do the same I, thing. That's yeah. weird. You're like I, I ate so many brownies. It's like so many brownies. Um, stop work in the mean, in the background. I stopped working out. My wife is telling me you are angry all the time. And I'm literally saying you're full of shit. I'm being defensive. And in the mean, in the background, I'm hiding. There's a level of understanding of what I'm doing that is not serving me that I'm hiding it from her. I am maneuvering. I'm leaving my phone at home so she can't track me. Um, my, I, I gained 50 pounds. My anxiety's through the roof. My skin was a nightmare. Me too. All, That's, I don't hear yeah. that too often, but my, my skin was terrible too on it. Zero sex drive. And all these things are piling up, except I, I can tell you those now definitively in an itemized yeah. list, but in aggregate, couldn't see any of it. And so my relationship with my wife starts to deteriorate at a massive level. And I have zero ability to encounter these things. I have a clear denial of the fact that Kratom is starting to dictate at a massive level who I am as a human being. On my professional side, I'm a shell of myself. Um, in my own company, I started feeling like a stranger. My relationship with my business partner was totally estranged. I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to be active in my life. My relationship started to deteriorate with my, with my I'm, a, I'm the oldest of three. I take pride in that, uh, in that older brother designation. I was a terrible son. My friends immediately could tell whether they were local or in, in the manner in which I stopped communicating with them or was so infrequent in the way that I got back to them. And I lost everything that made me me. And that went on for years. And it's, it is truly frightening that our brain can compartmentalize our ability to see the entire picture or to see the whole, because if we would, we would be horrified. And I think that's the addiction's greatest defense mechanism. Yeah, I, uh, that is a very, very eloquent and uh, very, you know, it's, it's very sad, but it's very true. Um, I experienced a, a lot of probably all the same things you, you mentioned in the, the three years that I was severely addicted to Kratom extract. Um, and I even, I've even said this, like, maybe Kratom is like a light version of OBE. So when I look back on being addicted to Oxycontin and being addicted to Kratom, I don't see any difference anymore. They're Absolutely basically not. the exact same thing to me. So it kind of upsets me when I see the, um, like the American Kratom Association and others arguing that Kratom should be a, regulated as a food and, and not a drug. It's just insane. But th anyway, that's, I don't want to go there right now. Um, what made you, so, you know, you, you go through all that. Um, and as you said, it went on for years. What was the thing that finally got you to the point where you, you knew you had to quit? As an aside, um, Jacob, I'll go there today. If you want, Please. You want me yes, to go, go there. <laughs> we can get into all that a lot later. Um, yeah, let's do it again. I, um, I couldn't give you a clear timeline. I would tell you okay. my, my marriage was deteriorating from the inside out. I really couldn't 
have felt more dismayed with the way that all of a sudden I woke up one day and my life had kind of just crumbled in the way that, again, there's no DUIs. I didn't kill anybody. There's no mm -hmm. overdoses. Kratom is a slow acid drip in your life that is just slowly deteriorating, but the drips are small enough that you can't see it as it's happening. And then all of a sudden you blink and it's two years later, it's five years later, it's 10 years later. And you're like, I don't even know who this person is. I haven't, I, you know, I think you said earlier, like you weren't there for it. You're not there, an active participant in your life. So I, I certainly reached a level of cognition where I knew this was a huge problem and I had utter conviction to quit and had many moments where I thought I had the capacity to do on my own. I don't, I wasn't remotely as in tune with what the mechanisms that were, that were taking place inside my mind at the time as I am now as in tune with the, with the, with the habitual nature of my addiction. But I did get to a point where I had a little bit of a reprieve and would stack, you know, consecutive weeks and months together. A moment I will never forget. My parents moved to Utah uh, a handful of years ago from San Diego. My mom uh, and I are very close. I went in to go check in on her one day. Uh, my dad, who is one of the greatest humans I've ever met, he's sitting on the back porch. I walk outside. This is at a, a pretty good clip for me, that phase of my life in, in the grand scheme of the last couple of years. He's mm -hmm. reading the paper. He, I'm literally just there to check in on my mom. He looks up at me. He says, how you doing, bud? And this guttural surge of the most overwhelming, all-consuming feeling came out of me. And I just spewed out, I want to die. I didn't intend to say it. Mm -hmm. I hadn't felt any different way that day. But something inside of me just, I felt exposed. And he's, the look on his face was was a byproduct of the fact that he because he had seen me kind of waste away um with the facade of a, a growing really successful business and this that and the other and he said um can i come over tonight and i said yes and i by the time he got over an hour later i said i need to check myself in a treatment right now i have zero ability zero to handle this on my own uh i thought this was going to be over six months ago and despite my best efforts, I clearly have zero ability to, or I do not have the tools or the skill set to handle this on my own. And so we had a discussion about the fear I had about telling my business partner, which is looking back is such a facade. The fact that someone you work in tandem with and are growing a company that they can't see uh, what's going on in the background, despite not knowing the specifics. Um, and he begged me to just tell him that next day. And I did. And I sat in front of our executive team crying and I said, I've got to go away right now at our team meeting that next day. Um, I'd made a contact in the background with a local recovery group here and the owner of a facility. And I checked in for 30 day treatment. This is where this drug will take you if you let it. Um, it's, it's not benign. It's, it, it can be very, very addictive. And, and as, as you're hearing from Nick, this is, this is where it'll take you. Um, I've, I talked about this a little bit on, on my interview and I've said it a couple other times too, but, um, I never got into it in this level of detail. I've been through severe, severe opiate withdrawals. I've been through, you know, multi-day cocaine binges and horrible come downs, trying to get out of and trying to drink yourself out of it. I've been through multiple years of, uh, terrible alcohol addiction, uh, all kinds of other shit. That, 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 you know, war stories on drugs. If we want to talk about that, and um, the one thing that made me suicidal for the first time 
was was this plant. <laughs> I I literally it was it was the reason why I um, honestly went and got medicated assisted treatment. I'd relapsed ten times in a row over a two year period. I just I couldn't stop. And I I would get you know a couple days into those cold turkey withdrawals and I just wanted to kill myself. So um, I've I've definitely been there and it, it's it's the worst feeling in the world. But you are second thing I want to highlight is is bravery for for being able to do that. I see people online all the time saying you know like I can't. I can't put my life on hold. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, it's scary. It's hard. But if you need to do something to get yourself out of a situation that you feel like there is no other way to get out of it, then do whatever you need to do. Your kids will be there when you get back. Your, you know, your your family will will understand. Your business partner will understand. And if they don't, you'll find another one. Like, because otherwise, if you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Amen. So you, you do the 30 days of treatment. How, how did it go from there? So I had amazing, for all of you who are scared to go to treatment for any form of substance abuse, um, I cannot recommend it more for so, a multitude of reasons. Um, I had an incredible experience. It was, the last couple of years, as anyone knows, was exhausting. Um, and to get a reprieve, to have a, a chance to better understand the dynamics of what was going on inside me was such a welcome opportunity, but this, this is, I want to, this is Kratom in a nutshell. A week before I got out, unbelievable experience. I am growing. I am learning I, I, everything that I wanted to start putting in place and the clarity that I was gaining a week before I got out, I flipped it in my head that I wanted to use Kratom one more time. That's how yeah. powerful, that is how powerful Kratom is. Yeah. I, it's insidious. If you see me, I was the gold star student in there and, and I meant it and I was in there, but I just, I made that decision. And once that thought got into my head, I knew it was over. So I had had it dabbled with Vivitrol a little bit mm. and due to lack of convictions that again, I, you know, I want to get into later. I had known the benefits of getting on Vivitrol. So I scheduled a shot specifically with my addict brain to have one night where I could use, and then and then I just want one more taste of, of the sludge before I get on Vivitrol mm. the next day. And so I did. Um, I immediately went um, and started dabbling into the recovery communities. Um, and I would tell you, every at every juncture on the recovery journey for me, I thought that I was seeing the whole picture. And there's a phrase, in the rooms of it takes what it takes. And I would tell you, uh, I'm resigned to that now because I, I went off, started jumping back into work after a little bit of a hiatus and started jumping into recovery and still didn't respect Kratom for what it was. And I relapsed for the first time and I blinked and it was five months later. And as, a someone who went to one of the best schools and is a business owner and has had on the outside has his shit together. I want everyone to hear that. I got to a point where as hum I didn't think I could get humbled by Kratom anymore. I hired a sober companion at 35 years old to meet me at work and follow me home on the freeway so that I wouldn't go to the gas station to pick up extract shots for an ungodly amount of money, I hired a babysitter at 35 years old because even after going to treatment, even after suffering, even after going through a divorce, almost losing my own company, Kratom still had that hold on me. And 
the sober companion didn't even work. I had made some, it's unbelievable. It's, and it's crazy. How that it's was. crazy. Um, but I, I got to a point where after seeing the sober companion walk out of my house after that, another night of him walking in the door, if he wasn't able to connect with me before I got home and me looking up at him and saying, I already used, I had a moment on the couch where I was diving into the subreddit again, looking at the, at the, the gravity of the amount of despair going on in those rooms, knowing everything that I knew about my disease and what this, what Kratom has taken for me, I decided um, to find the conviction uh, to put an end to it. And in the background, um, one, a Kratom recovery group that had, that is, I, as far as I know, one of the longest standing ones, um, uh, someone reached out to me um, from, the, from the subreddit and I joined a community and it gave me the, for the first time, such an unbelievable sense of belonging and there's a uniqueness to this drug there's something about being in a community uh about uh, of, of people that know the kratom struggle this thing is unique um yeah and joining that community finally gave me the level of conviction in myself a level of understanding of some of the things that i still wasn't even in tune with what was happening to my body cognitive or emotional symptoms that I was suffering from. And I immediately felt for the first time, like I was home and I said, this, these are my people. And it gave me everything I needed to start stacking days together. That's amazing. Um, I've had, I've had the pleasure of, <laughs> of, uh, navigating this enough times, um, where I've experienced it from a lot of different angles. I've had helper meds. I've had nothing. Um, anyone knows if you've gone through creating withdrawals that there's a lot of unique dynamics. That a lot of people suffer. I would say unequivocally, the not sleeping thing is worst. So <laughs> catastrophic and so awful. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hell I wouldn't wish on my, on my worst enemy. Um, you know, I, I had some unique pieces of the way that I use. I, I hear people all the time saying that they they would vomit. Um, I, I never got to a point, and 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 for context, for to kind of validate um, anyone who um, has used for a while, I would I got up to a point where some days it was more than this, but I pretty typically during use was taking four kratom extracts a day. So um, that's what I level shots. off at plus yeah. 30, 30 grams yeah. of powder on top of it. Yeah. Which is and some wonderful. days and some days it was eight. Um, I never got to a point where I was waking up in the middle of the night um, and needing to use. I used almost exclusively at night. Obviously, as an addict, I found ways to kind of get around that. But it, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I wanted to reprieve when I got home from work. That was that was creative for me. Dosing okay. huge doses. Um, so I had a pretty heavy, you know, 60, 80 gram a day, you know, usage by the time that I was quitting. And um, yeah, the first couple of days are, are a nightmare. I would say like day two, you start, you start really encountering some things. And I think that's the first night you're really at jeopardy of not sleeping. Um, day yeah. two, three, and four, I think in aggregate are the worst 72 hours I've ever experienced. Um, and it's something where you just have to find the conviction. I, I would tell you I've relapsed on day two a zillion times when trying to quit. Oh. 
Um, same, same. That and weeks two and three were where I always went wrong because I was over the mental, or I was over the physical, and then the mental shit just would never end. <laughs> you know, I, I've gone through, by the time that I first quit opiates, um, oxy, oxycodone, oxycontin, um, Vicodin, Percocet, all of it, um, mm -hmm. bowel stuff, night sweats, all that kind of stuff, Kratom has more unique elements to it that as everyone you know says on the pod the cognitive and anxiety ridden parts of it are such a unique demonizing component to this it's i i it feels like there's a humanity associated to it like a, a human element that is literally trying to drag you down and yes it makes it worse it's a yeah. it's a nightmare it's a, no doubt about it it's a nightmare for most people i would say this, the lack of sleep is where you start to break. And yeah, I, you know, I've, I've, you know, I, I have a lot of suggestions about how I think people should deal with this globally, but I think the the hot baths are, are something that I started using. I was diving into the subreddit, the lipsomal vitamin C regimen, every supplement that they were on, I got on Amazon because I was at a point where no doctor including anyone in my treatment center had any idea how to treat this. I didn't leave the treatment center with any knowledge uh, about Kratom specifically to arm myself or anyone else with Kratom specific dynamics. And I think for a lot of us, yeah, we feel alone and we're, we're leaning on our compatriots to try to figure out how do I navigate this? And it's, it gets confusing. A lot of what you said is, is, is similar to, to what I felt uh, felt like. For me, the, the lack of sleep was, was the worst, um, second only to the restless leg syndrome or the restless arm syndrome, which essentially caused the lack of sleep for me mostly. Um, and it was, it was a nightmare. And yeah, the, the baths helped. Um, tried some, some of the supplements too with varying degrees of success. Never did the vitamin C thing right, I don't think. But I hear a lot of good things about that. Um, the more and more people I talk to, you know, the more and more I just think Kratom is, you know, it's a partial opiate agonist, but it's no different than, than any other opiate, except for the fact that it's got, like you said, that unique mental hell to it. Um, that's its own uniqueness. And that's why I've said this. I've, I've, you know, I was up to taking about 150 milligrams of oxy a day at one point. Um, that was physical hell on earth, um, but it was over faster than Kratom withdrawals and it didn't have the mental part. And that's why for me, uh, kratom withdrawals were worse, and I've said that on multiple forums. And you know, a lot of people in the pro kratom camps don't seem to seem to believe it. Um, but it's my experience, and it's true uh, for me. Maybe I know some other people have had opposite experience, and you know, but we're all a little bit different. Um, and you're right; like it's 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 at least it's getting better, and there are more and more people that have gone through this now. But it can be a lonely road because with you know alcohol and opiates and cocaine and meth, you know, everybody knows about those. Everybody knows somebody that's been addicted to those. With this substance, it's novel. It's, you know, it's sold everywhere. So people just don't seem to take it as seriously. And it's just, it can be a serious beast. I'm, I'm so, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. It's so inherent in, in like the way that we are, like the internet has made this, this kind of thing. So, prevalent. I'm so tired of people comparing it. I'm so sick of people invalidating it. Uh, if, if anything in my, in my world, if there's an individual that learns about my story where, whether they're using or they're just curious about it, I, I pick up my phone and I go, read the, read the subreddit, 
for five minutes. Scroll, I go scroll down. And if you spend 90 seconds on there, there's a 50% chance you're going to see someone who was a hardcore heroin addict who says, I'm contemplating going back on heroin to get off Kratom. And at that point, it's like uh, the, 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 com- the comparison piece of it to me is one of the troubling parts about the, the lack of validation of what this is. So many of us get stuck in this because one, because of the lack of knowledge, like you said, it is growing, but this thing is a nightmare and it should be treated as a nightmare and it should be treated seriously. And you should do everything you possibly can to understand that this is as serious as anything else. And it has the capacity to destroy your life just the same. Yeah. 100%. And that's my biggest beef about the, the whole pro side of the argument. It's not that like, I don't, I don't think that adults should be in prison for any sort of drug, including fentanyl and heroin, to be honest with you. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think prohibition works at the same time. I think that with any other drug, like you go into that experience with the knowledge that it can end poorly. Like the first time I did Oxycontin, I knew that it was an opiate and I knew that it had a serious potential for addiction. I thought I was special and I would be different, but you know, a lot of young people and people in general think that same with alcohol. Like I, I knew that I come from a family of alcoholics and I've seen, you know, uncles drink themselves to near death and all of that stuff. So like what I'm going, this is a long winded way to say like with most substances, you are presented with the knowledge of the consequences that can happen. There is a minimization of this substance that is really, I think, problematic. And I don't think that shouting down anybody's negative experience with this plant is the way, if you're an advocate for it, is the way you keep it safe and legal. You know, Budweiser doesn't go into the rooms of AA and yell at people, you know. I mean, but that's sure. sort of what is happening with a lot of the Kratom community. They're, they're just attacking people and you know when we get mad and attack back we you know they, they call us unhinged and it's, it's annoying it's just it's just getting really old i i crossed the threshold over the last couple of months where i don't have i don't have any need to be pc about this i don't i, I was very careful early on about the whole argument that kratom is helping people i do there are there are things that are not that are unquestionable. There are, there's a reality that if you are a heroin addict and your life is in danger and you replace it with Kratom, your chances of survival or your, your risk is drastically diminished. But the way things are now, the lack of regulation, the limited amount of understanding, the prohibitive costs in the fact that this, you cannot argue the following with me. If you are one of the slim if you are part of the slim piece of the population that is able to take Kratom at a level in which it benefits you from one of the myriad of things that people say that it, it, it assists them with, and you are able to not accelerate your dose, if anything were to happen to you in the future, at any juncture, for any reason, where you have consistently taken Kratom and you decide to stop, you are going to suffer drastic consequences. That is not up for debate. It is not. Or you are going to have to go through a taper that is orchestrated at a length and duration and with a diligence 
so that you are preventing your body from incurring some drastic, drastic ramifications as a result of consuming this substance. And if somehow we're going to weasel our way into saying that that is something that should be consumed, if there is any alternative, I'm not here for it anymore. I, I can't do it. Um, Me either. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're spot on with, with all of that. And, um, you know, the other thing I'll say two two things, um, one, there are treatments for opiate use disorder that are proven. People shit on Suboxone, people shit on methadone, or they may be the best treatments out there. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Um, but I, I, I don't think there's a big pharma conspiracy that, uh, puts those drugs and says they are bad. Kratom is good. That's, that seems to be a logical fallacy that is made. Uh, the second point is I have yet to meet anybody that has switched from any opiate to Kratom that has come off of it in real life or online. I have yet to meet anybody that has switched over. And I know people have, so I, I'm sure someone's going to comment that they did it. I know they have, and I'm, I'm happy if you've done that and you're clean, whatever it takes. If you're off of it and everything, great. But I agree there's a YouTuber, Dr. B, addiction specialist. I agree with him. You can use Kratom to treat opiate use disorder. You should never use Kratom to treat opiate use disorder because it's we don't know what the safe dosage is. We just don't. There's speculation on what the quote safe dosage is. And like you said, it's 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 you're you're doing you're treating your own opiate use disorder when there's opiate use disorder drugs out there. If you feel like you need maintenance, go get on opiate maintenance. It's I don't want to say it's not that big of a deal, because it is a big deal and it's a serious thing to do, but like if you are struggling with opiates, they're there's help out there. You don't need to go get on Kratom. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And listen, I wanted to go on this podcast because I'm honored to be a part of this community. I have suffered at the hands of this, of this drug for, for a long time now. And as I said earlier, I go onto the subreddit and the amount of despair and loss and utter fear, the confusion, that is going on in every Kratom recovery room, people looking for answers because they are unable to move the needle whatsoever once they've realized that Kratom has turned on them. And that is a uniform statement that is said over and over and over and over. Kratom was good to me, and then all of a sudden it turned on me. I'm saying that I've relapsed, we're, we're, we're kind of framing this conversation like I've relapsed a handful of times. You could, you could contextualize a relapse every time that you said you wanted to quit. And you and for me, it was sticky notes on the fridge. It was another one in my car. It was classic addict behavior of there's no way I'm going to wake up tomorrow and use with how I feel right now. And by the time that I went to sleep and woke up the next day, that thought, that conviction was gone. But yeah. I've had, I have the benefit of having gone through a lot of things. And I would say, the Suboxone argument is one that should be treated really carefully, but I want everyone here to know that if you decide that you want to stop Kratom, there are means out there to yep. help you on your journey. And I would say base again, this is based on my experience after years of discombobulated journeys that weren't structured correctly. And I didn't have the diligence to make sure that I was super dialed. I had an op. I now have my primary care doctor has an op uh, an addiction background. She has a wealth of knowledge because that is a huge component of my life. And while I want, I'm at a stage in my life where I didn't care about anything that was going into my body or the consequences. I want my primary care doctor to have the knowledge of of the fact that I am a drug addict 
Um, and she has helped um, on this last go around put me in a position where I had limited access to Suboxone to help me get off this, this last time. Mm-hmm. You are, if you do that, you are running the risk of a classic tale of waking up and being addicted to Suboxone. And that is something that no one should take lightly. Um, whether it's organic supplements or leaning on a medical physician, the, as long as you are developing a plan where you are cognizant of the fact that you at least, at least with one drug, if you don't have if substance use disorder in your background, where you are understanding the consequences of, of dabbling with anything else and that you have resources at your disposal to ensure that, that you have a mechanism to get off of Kratom and a safety net to make sure that you aren't in a worse situation when you, when you get off of it. Just make sure that you have the right individuals in your corner and there are options out there if you're suffering. Yeah, that's a really good point. I see a lot of people that are trying to like self-manage their symptoms and like are worried about going to the doctor. And, you know, if you if, if you if you seriously can't get off freedom, like you said, go 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 see a doctor, go see an addiction specialist. They will they will help you. There are multitudes of options to to get better um, and, you know, not not every treatment is going to be right for everybody. You should know all the options and, and weigh everything. So let's talk a bit about um, your life now. So what's your like, life like Kratom Free? How, how, how have things gone now that you've, um, you've had 20 out of the last 24 months off and that you've you know, gotten over your latest relapse for you know, a, a little while now? I, I want to I uh, address that comment because I would never say that comment of 20 of the last 24 months if it wasn't within these rooms. Um, Fair enough. I, I say it to this community because I, I, I merely want to offer that I've been through this ringer and I've, and I've stacked enough days and had enough momentum and been around the block enough that I've seen every computation of withdrawal of treatment. I went on Vivitrol. I've gotten on Sublocade. I've taken oral naltrexone. I've been in AA. I've dabbled in NA. I have a therapist. Um, but I have 65 days today because Kratom still has a hold on me. And if I don't do the right things, I it will be in jeopardy of relapsing in a moment's notice. Um, and it's taken me this long to realize that I am an addict and if I do not do constant work towards my recovery, that I will relapse, it is inevitable. And I haven't touched another drug in many years. If I relapse, it will be on Kratom. It's on every block. I will drive by 10 stores on my way to work um, and it will be Kratom. So my life today um, is beautiful. Nice. Outside of that relapse, and, and especially in lieu of that relapse, I have such conviction and so much more clarity about things that I missed in my last go around in recovery. I am stable. I listen to music. I read. I write. I'm in the best shape of my life. I've lost 55 pounds since I stopped taking Kratom. I'm maniacal about working out. Um, I don't get lost in murder podcasts or waste my life away on the couch. I actually have some semblance of confidence and it's building every day. I show up for my friends. I show up for my family. I show up for people in the recovery rooms. 
I have a chance at problem solving and being understanding. And yeah, I, I don't have a pink cloud this time around. I, I, I hear so many, I think the distinction and the thing that scares me so much in our world and it's something that I even used to contribute to. Like I, I've been an admin in a, in a recovery group, a Kratom recovery group for, for over a year now. And I used to say, you know, some, some of our Kratom recovery groups are a little bit more informal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also super dangerous. And there, there's been a group that sprouted up with, um, with a gentleman who's, who's developed our own uh, Kratom principles, our own Kratom steps. Um, and it's amazing. It's, I, I told him the first time I jumped in the meeting a couple weeks ago, this is what we need. Um, but, you know, but I used to say as, a, as an angle to try to get people to understand that they need to get off of like, if there's, there's, yeah, be embarrassed, be embarrassed that your life, like, you know, use that fuel of, of yeah, Kratom brought me down. It's like, I couldn't have been more off base in taking that approach. Like, this is serious. I will treat Kratom as serious as it deserves for the rest of my life. Um, I... I am, I feel a level of obligation to this community. I, I cannot imagine how many more people are going to be coming down the pipeline looking for help, looking for resources like you guys have created with this pod. It's, it's needed right now because, but yeah, the lack of regulation, the lack of, of medical knowledge, the lack of, of, of documentation about how to approach this thing and to deal with it on any front, uh, we as a community, we need all the help we can get. And if I can help provide any impact on someone's life on a daily basis and help contribute to this groundswell that you guys are a major part of, I, I want to be, I'm here for it. I was, uh, when I finally, hopefully, um, like you said, I have to stay super vigilant and not take it for granted and, and do all the recovery work. Um, when I finally got, you know, my, got through my last relapse. Um, and I saw that there was, now there was a podcast for this. I, I felt a lot less alone, um, and, uh, being in, in, in some of the specific Kratom recovery groups and I, I moderate one myself. It's, it's been very rewarding. Um, but I see the same, same stories a lot. Um, and, and you're right, the, the spotty and lack of regulations in a lot of places, um, you know, makes it easy and accessible and it's just feeding a, a, a whole new, bunch of, of, of addiction, unfortunately. What would be your best advice to someone who is getting ready to quit Kratom? I've got a lot. Um, All right, let's hear it. Kratom doesn't care about you. Kratom, if it has not already, it's, it's, it will turn on you. Um, I, I, think, I think the worst part of this, of this drug, as I kind of s- touched on earlier, is the fact that it's a slow burn for most of us, nothing shocking is, is, is going to present itself. The symptoms are, are pretty mild as you get going. If there's any inkling, if you've ever found yourself in a room for quitting Kratom, if you're listening to this podcast, you got it. You got to get off. You got to get off immediately. Um, for me, I am motivated by the amount of time that I wasted. And I would urge everyone to consider that first and foremost, as you're looking to kind of galvanize yourself to, to get going. This thing, one of the most insidious things, and, and I've heard multiple people on multiple Kratom group chats say it in the last week, but they blinked and it was eight, 10 years later. And that is the scariest thing, I think, for some of us. Um, we only have one life here. Um, and and don't allow yourself to let any more time pass you by. So like one, tell somebody, 
tell as many people as you are comfortable with that you have a problem. If they, whether they have any familiarity or any context for what's going on, tell someone immediately so you are not suffering alone. Two, the moment I found the subreddit and found more and more groups of like-minded people like me, I didn't feel as alone. It gave me insight into the amount of awful things that are, are happening to my body. It validated some things that I felt like I had been struggling with and had no idea what the cause was. Um, immerse yourself in those groups, listen to people's stories, take away what you can from those that have, that have found a way to navigate off. If they have anything to offer you, gobble that up as much as possible. Three, I, I, I touched on the Suboxone thing earlier only as a mechanism, mo mostly to say, talk to a medical professional as soon as possible in tandem with people in the recovery community, get to a medical professional as soon as possible and inform them about what's going on. If they don't know anything about Kratom, tell them, find a way to communicate to them what's going on. And above all else, illustrate to them the severity of what's going on. Illustrate to them that there are people, not a ton of people, but there are people out there dying from, from seizures and other things that are related to Kratom. The fact that I, you know, I want everyone to hear, I am now suffering off after my last bout for, from some serious medical consequences. Like some of the, the more severe ones that we hear about intermittently, I'm now facing them. And this isn't just, you know, your motivation or, or your ability to be a stellar human being, like your health is at risk. So communicate that to a medical professional. And if they aren't understanding the gravity of this, the situation, the onus is on you to communicate to that to them. And once I did that, a lot of doors opened up. Um, I, I think the, one of the most dangerous things in our world is that there's somehow this aversion, like Kratom doesn't belong in, in some of the reasons why you need to go into recovery rooms. If you have found that you cannot stop taking a mind altering substance, I would urge you to consider getting into recovery, which is basically getting into a room of people that have suffered just like you at a point where at a point at, at one moment or another, where they thought that they could never find a way out. And they did some people that will understand what you're going through that will be there for you, no matter how many times you relapse, no matter what horror stories they tell you, it is the best decision I ever made. It will be a community that I will be beholden to for the rest of my life. And if I step, I have firsthand knowledge that if I step away from that, I will be in bad shape. It's, uh, it's something that a lot of people in our creative rooms are, are scared to take that leap. But all I would tell you is that if you make a commitment to try to stop on your own and you find that you haven't been able to make it happen and you blink and it's another six months or it's another year, at least entertain it because it could be the biggest catalyst to changing the rest of your life and giving you a platform to live a life beyond your wildest dreams. And above all else, and this is kind of the underlying thing, I think the number one thing to keep in mind is that if you make an attempt to quit by yourself and it doesn't work, don't try, don't keep trying to do the same things, yeah. change it up, elevate the level of commitment. For me, that was treatment. For me, that was Vivitrol. For me, that was uh, uh, talking to medical professionals. At the very least, if you are continuing to up the urgency in whatever you're doing, eventually you'll find a way to be in good shape. You, we all deserve better. And yes, Kratom turned on us. It was a false promise of something 
that was, you know, we could slide in with, with a, a plant that was legal, that would give us some reprieve. I know people are suffering out there. I've heard so many stories, the single moms out there, the, 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 the chronic, you know, people suffering from chronic pain. I've heard so many groups like common stories that I understand more than anyone what it's like to try to get off and how intimidating it can be, but yeah. know that you're worth it. You deserve to not be beholden to this, to be, to this, to a substance that has no interest in improving your life and will only take away from it. Yeah. There's so many uh, awesome things that, that you said um, there listeners. So, you know, Nick has a, had a, just, just gave you a ton of really good knowledge that, that you can use if you're, you're listening to, if you've, if you found yourself listening to this podcast, starting to think you may have a problem, you, you, you do, I don't want to hurt your feelings or, or anything like that, but that's, that's the nature of addiction. doesn't matter what substances, people that don't have a problem with substances, they don't go to forums about quitting them or, or give it any energy. Um, and kind of, uh, the other thing that, that you said that I, I think is really important is success rates of people that quit substances on their own is very, very, very slim. And that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, stand on your balcony and yell out to all your neighbors that you're an addict and that you need help. Tell someone, you know, tell your, tell your spouse, tell your best friend, tell someone, or go to a meeting or go to treatment if you have to like like what you said it's like you addiction is um often an isolating disease it was isolating for, for nick as he, he just shared in, in his story it was isolating for me um the opposite of isolation is community and community will definitely help you with um recovery and don't let anybody um you know tell you that this isn't a serious disease or an addiction so now I kind of see like going through this as a gift, like you said, Kratom, it, it lies to you, right? It, it makes you think that it's this great substance that's going to solve all your problems because at first it it doesn't seem harmful and it it's a functional drug and it's, you know, all those things and, and it just, it will turn on you and it will end in, in misery for, for most people that take it long enough and take enough of it. Let's flip this uh to a couple fun things here before we wrap up so um we are in the uh latter half of december approaching the holidays and this episode's going to air right around the new year so um i figured maybe we could talk a little about resolutions or anything in particular that you're looking forward to in 2024 i as i've said i was incredibly humbled by this last relapse incredibly 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 humbled um I have that that feeling like I needed to stay in these communities and, and my friend who was on the pod kind of uh, I've known him for for a couple of years now and we were in some early kratom rooms together um, him and I have always talked about this the fact that um, as many people that can stick around I mean the amount of people that I started with in our initial group that have since relapsed or fallen off it's scary so yeah a big part of my thing is to stick around and to be of service wherever I can because there's a unique nature to this thing. Um, you're catching at a time where, yeah, I'm fired up. I'm not dealing with any of the BS of any, any haters. I would say like, I was thinking <laughs> about, I was thinking about uh, another colleague of mine in, in a Kratom recovery. He, he was on a podcast of one of the biggest, you know, he had one of the biggest, the guy had one of the biggest pro Kratom channels. Mm. And I was laughing, thinking about the other day of this, this guy would, his whole thing was he would have to constantly taper and monitor and, and, and have a reprieve 
from Kratom for a certain amount of time so that it would be to optimize his receptors and he would change strains. And he I would know go this from- guy. Yeah. No direct shade on him. Yeah, he seems no. like a nice guy. But then I started following his channel after my buddy went on his podcast. And, and, and then there's a, a video where he decides he's going to take a month off. But, but there's no real commentary about this pertaining to the dangers of Kratom or any specific motivations. And so I keep following, pulling the thread. And then there's a video that he's now getting off of Kratom, but, but no worries, stay on it. And I guess that's my warning to everyone. Anyone who thinks, I, 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 if, some, if Kratom is still doing something for you, more power to you, I guess. Just know that the, my experience with Kratom has been the more you consistently take it and the more that you ignore the warning signs, the things that are happening to a lot of us, the seizures, the hormonal pieces, the, the, the stuff that can happen to your prostate, to your urinary tract, to your skin, those things don't change because you're taking them responsibly. So to all the haters, I salute you and good luck on your journey. So I'm going to just stick in these rooms in 24. I'm going to try to be a resource to anyone who is ready to help, who is looking for more information, who I can offer assistance to. I'm going to continue to uh, try to elevate um, the things that I'm doing that I couldn't do on Kratom, which is treating my body with as much respect as I can with the things I put into it, with how, with my, uh, with not only my dietary plan, but uh, my uh, fitness regimen. I want to start sponsoring people in 24. I want to, uh, I want to be a, just a great human being. I, I don't know if I have any specific things in 24 other than to elevate my consciousness. And uh, I, I believe that being in these rooms and being of service is going to hold me in good stead. Um, and to anyone who has been there for me in the past, for everyone who started a new Kratom Recovery Group in the last year, to you guys doing this pod, you guys are goddamn heroes. Seriously, uh, you're doing a service to a contingency that needs as many resources as possible right now. And uh, I, I want to make sure that I do what's right in my program so that if anyone needs me, I can be there to help. That's awesome. Um, that's, that's a, that's a great plan. Um, and we appreciate you being on here. Um, and if you hear Nick's story and, uh, this is resonating with you and as he mentioned, he's, he's here to help. So feel free to, to message us and we can, we can make a connection and, uh, Absolutely. We, can, we can make sure that you guys can have a conversation or do whatever you need to do. There's a lot of people in the pro Kratom group that say things like follow the science. We're talking a lot about, you know, like people using responsibly and tapering and, and you know, your the science is, if you want to follow the science truly, is that nitrogenine and 7-hydroxymetrogenine, which are the two components or alkaloids of the Kratom plant, they are partial opiate agonists, which means they are acting on your opiate receptors. If you take a drug that acts on your opiate receptors and you take it long enough and you take enough, enough of it, you will become physically dependent. There is no way to avoid it. It does not, there is nobody that I'm aware of on planet Earth that has a genetic makeup that allows them to not become dependent on opioids. We all have opioid receptors. If we take enough of something that acts on them, we will become dependent on that substance. So if you want to follow the science, that is the science. It's pretty clear. 
So and, and those those people like I'm not here. You and I aren't here for those. And we're not here for those people. We're here for no, anyone we who has reached a juncture in our in their life where they're like, I am being robbed of my humanity. I have nowhere to turn. I am. I, I at my worst, I was spending three thousand dollars a month on extracts. There are. I was close. I would say. Yeah, there are. I can't even believe that's real. Me uh, either. But but but. I didn't spend that on any other drug, and I was addicted <laughs> to all of them. So. That's my mortgage. Um, yeah. There are there are people. If there are people out there that have reached a juncture where they are ready to quit, where they have an understanding that they are suffering, uh, you can let the proponent people continue to consume it and we'll wish them the best. And uh, I'm just so glad that there are resources for those of us who know it's no longer serving us. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, um, this has been a really great conversation. Uh, we touched on a lot of topics. Before we wrap up today, um, is there anything else you would like to chat about or that maybe we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure that we highlighted for the audience? I would just say to anybody out there, you are not alone. There are so many of us who have found ourselves, who have woken up in this unique situation um, and didn't know where to turn. If you're, if you're just looking to quit, or as you said, starting to question relationship, just connect. There are resources out there now at your disposal that you can get plugged in and make a decision for yourself. And for those of you who have already quit and you still may be suffering some residual kind of pause or some, you know, cognitive or anxiety related things. A lot of us who have had the fortune of accruing long-term sobriety at any point in time, I guarantee we went through that too and just stayed a course. And as someone who got over a year at one point, I did have that for an extended amount of time and it does subside and it does get better. And once you get enough tools and enough of a foundation, you can have an unbelievable life beyond your wildest dreams. I've tasted it. I've lived it. I will do nothing uh, to ever jeopardize that ever again. And that requires a lot of work. So if you, if you get plugged in, stay plugged in. And uh, I wish everyone the best of luck on their journeys because you deserve everything in the world. And uh, Kratom just ain't it. Amen. I don't think I could add anything or say that better myself um so we'll leave it there thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was really nice to talk to you i appreciate you jacob thank you buddy welcome to this week's kratom in the headlines Atmore Woman raises thousands online after Kratom arrest draws national attention. Alabama Woman was released from jail nearly nine months after being arrested with Kratom. Since the arrest, supporters nationwide have raised thousands of dollars to help pay her bail. Shana, 34, of Atmore, Alabama, is charged with trafficking synthetic drugs. This is a Class A felony, which means she could be facing life in prison. Found to be in possession of Kratom, which is illegal in Alabama and only five other states, she had 250 grams of Kratom, which is enough to be considered trafficking. Kratom has been illegal in Alabama since 2016. 
Um, this arrest has prompted Kratom advocates and supporters of Brown to launch a fight to make Kratom legal again in Alabama. They're stating that Kratom saved lives, while others are arguing that Kratom is harmful and even deadly. Uh, regardless of where people stand in this ongoing argument, many from both sides believe that a $1 million bond for 250 grams of Kratom is excessive. Um, as host of this podcast, we do not take a public stance on whether or not we believe Kratom should be made legal or not. And while this may not be the most popular opinion, we are also not supporters of addicts being locked up for drugs. Uh, we believe there are better ways of addressing addiction and crime, but we'll save that for another episode. Um, having said all of that, I do have personal opinions. First of all, I just have to say 250 grams is what? Uh, a little less than nine ounces. I am here to tell you I have had that amount or even more in my cabinet many times uh, during my Kratom use. Now, I will say I live in a state where Kratom is not illegal. So uh, obviously it's not the same situation, but I'm saying that to say that it's not uncommon or unheard of for a person to have that amount of Kratom for personal use. So for her to be charged with trafficking to me is a bit extreme, um, especially if, let's face it, um, if she's having to hoard it in an illegal state in order to support her Kratom habit or her use. So I do get that. Um, I actually live in Mississippi and Alabama is only 15 minutes away. I live that close to the state line. In fact, my mother lives in Alabama. She lives in Mobile and I visit her there often. When I was on Kratom and I would visit her, there was a, a, a concern for me as a Kratom addict and user uh, having to cross those state lines with Kratom. It did feel kind of crazy that something I could buy in a gas station a few blocks from my house was suddenly a felony um, the minute that I crossed that state line. So it, 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 is, it is weird, to say the least, in my opinion. Um, it's different. It's it, it's not usual for somebody to live that close to the state line and have to experience those extremes. So to think that I myself could have been in the same shoes as this person at any given time, it just makes me that much more grateful that I no longer have that concern. So I have a quote from Shana that I do want to highlight because I found it interesting and relevant. Shana states the following. It's just wrong to be locked up with a trafficking charge with a bond for $1 million, facing 10 years to life for trying to stay off drugs. Brown said, you know, going out there and buying drugs off the street, laced with fentanyl or whatever, and I mean, being in addiction for 21 years, you get tired of it. So she is basing her argument mostly on harm reduction, which we also do not promote since this is a podcast specifically about Kratom sobriety. However, we do not judge and we certainly are open to the possibility that there may be 
some validity to this approach for some people. Uh, the article does go on to discuss the arguments back and forth between the Kratom Consumer Protection Act and the FDA when it comes to the regulation of Kratom products and what that means for the future laws regarding the legality of Kratom in Alabama. Lieutenant Derek Lowry with the Escambia County Drug Task Force wants everyone to know of the dangerous side effects often associated with Kratom. And he reminds everyone in Alabama that if you get caught with it and you don't know about it, they're not going to give you a pass because you didn't know about it, he said. Quote, ignorance is not an excuse, unquote. Brown is scheduled for an arraignment on March 5th, 2024. He also has previous possession of methamphetamine charges in Escambia County and Monroe County. He's considered innocent until proven guilty. And I also want to let you know that Escambia County does have a drug court and rehabilitation program for those who are struggling with addiction. To read more about the entire situation when it comes to this case in Alabama, Charlie's going to have the article linked below. Um, until then, keep it Kratom free. Resource of the week. This is Charlie. And we're going to have a short one. We already have a long episode. I want to circle back first to something that Nick said in his interview. I reached out to him and I asked him what happened when he took Kratom. And then the next day he went on the Viteral shot and it wasn't good. So just a public service announcement. You need to be off like seven days Kratom before you take an opiate blocker or it will create precipitated withdrawals and he said they were very bad he was on his floor naked in pain and it ended up with the police uh, coming after he reached out to his doctor and said he wasn't doing very good knocking on his door so the resource of the week is a new whatsapp group for quitting feel free it's a came out of the subreddit if you're having trouble with that Kava Kratom tonic, I hope you're aware of the Quitting Feel Free subreddit. And a user named Brass Monkey Junkie set up a new WhatsApp group. So check that out. Go to the subreddit. Uh, reach out to Brass Monkey Junkie, just like the Beastie Boy song, or me, Wharf Dad, and DM us in Reddit and we'll get you hooked up with the WhatsApp just for feel free quitters. And until next time, keep it kratom free. Mm-hmm.